Welcome to the Rule Number One podcast. Oh my God, that was perfectly. That insane. was amazing. <laughs> that was absolutely incredible. Welcome to the Rule Number One podcast with your fabulous hosts, myself, Robert Murray, and my esteemed uh, colleague, Mr. William Shipley. Today we are out in glorious Beaconsfield. For those of you who don't know, that is a lovely little town in Buckinghamshire. I learned today, which is split into an old town and a new town. Yeah. And right now we're in the old town. We are, yeah. What um, feels like literally in somebody's back garden. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, you know, when you go to like Ibiza, maybe I've been to places, I'm just going to humble brag here, but out in, you know, Cartagena out in Colombia, we've got the new town, the old town. Think of that, listeners, when you think of Beaconsfield. This is the cultural hub of Buckinghamshire. <laughs> Speaking of um, you and your travels, been anywhere recently? I have actually, after you didn't stop talking about it for about four of the episodes that we've recorded, mm. I finally made it out to Ibiza. Did you? I uh, did. Who was not... with me? I was. Ah, <laughs> there we go. You uh, led me astray. How was your first Ibiza experience? Well, not really your first, but your first My proper one. Fir first oyster Ibiza experience yeah. was... Incredible, life-changing. I'd say it really? was. Uh, yeah, well, it's one of those, right? You everybody goes, oh, you know, I'm going on holiday to Ibiza, and then you see it at their hotel and all the rest of it, and it just looks a bit shit. We were staying glitz and glam in a Shire. We were down by the pool. I met Wayne Lineker. Wayne, Wayne Lineker <laughs> called me a legend because I was wearing a leopard print shirt while you he was chatting up a 19-year-old girl. Classic Wazza. No, not me. Oh, right. He, oh, sorry, he was. Wayne loves a young one. <laughs> and how were you, how were you feeling post-Ibiza, more importantly? Um, not my best self. Um, I felt like I was going to die on the Friday when we got back. So we mm -hmm. landed at midnight, sort of Thursday, Friday. Yeah. And then uh, I had to go back home, see my parents. And um, oh, then had a wedding on the Saturday. Oh. So shouts out to Mr. and Mrs. Fowler for an incredible wedding. Oh my God, shout out to you guys, if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> Which they definitely will be on their, on their honeymoon. I'm sure this is the top thing they're going to be listening to. And I'm going to divulge a little secret of yours here, but you told me this morning, in preparation for this landmark <laughs> recording today, you actually went out on the Raz last night and you're suitably hung over today when you knew that this important podcast was happening. Well, what it was, we've not recorded one of these for a few weeks, so I thought I'd celebrate us returning to recording. I just decided to do it the <laughs> night before rather than the night after. But, you know, I tend to think my best thinking's done when I'm hungover because it's less complicated. Yeah, I disagree. <laughs> 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 and we're obviously in the middle of our um, hiring campaign for our next yes. Academy at Oyster. And we're looking like we're going to have circa 20 new aspiring recruiters joining the team in a, in a couple of weeks. Yeah, it's big, big news. It's so exciting. We're moving into our new office with our new set of staff. We've got rid of all the old ones and we've brought <laughs> in entirely new. <laughs> starting afresh. Completely. Most of the company don't know that. Um, Speaking but, of um, starting afresh, just taking it a bit left wing for a second, um, Bojo had his reshuffle in his cabinet yesterday. He did, yeah. Which I, oh, honestly, I shouldn't say yesterday, should I? Because then people will know oh, that we're not... Oh, it doesn't matter when, when they know yeah, we're recording. Yeah. Bojo had his shuffle, reshuffle in his cabinet recently. <laughs> 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 well, no, so Bojo decided to reshuffle his cabinet, which is uh, much like we're doing with our hiring of new people to come should in. We, um, should we say reshuffle his cabinet one more time? Reshuffle his cabinet. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, no, today we are, and this is really, this is really exciting, 
we are joined by none other than the incomparable and the phenomenal Catherine Croom. Now, Catherine has an incredible story. Um, she began her career in property a number of years ago and has risen from a graduate surveyor to none other than a managing director in an incredibly short space of time. And she has an incredible journey and story that she's going to share with us. So we are absolutely buzzing to be here in Beaconsfield at the headquarters of Sorbonne Estates and Shanley Group to have a chat with Catherine and learn all about her career and her life. So excited. And I've now just learned far more about her than I knew at all before this. So, you know, always useful <laughs> to get that research in. Um, but no, um, on a serious note, uh, Catherine, welcome. Welcome, Catherine. Yeah, hi, Catherine. Welcome. Hi, how are you? Very good, thanks. Are you uh, excited to be on the Rule Number One podcast? I'm very excited. Very, very excited. <laughs> I heard the first one. What an inspirational lady. Vanessa. Yeah. Oh, she's yeah. incredible. She was yeah. great, wasn't she? Yeah. Really what, what, did it, um, what did it feel like when you got the call? Me when you were called up to be on this, was it, was I was it pretty a, special? I, it was very special, <laughs> but I have to say I was a little bit, do I do it, do I not? I was a bit nervous, but I'm really glad I said yes. Too big time for us? <laughs> You're too big time for me. Yeah. Oh yeah. no, I think there's, there is so much that we want to talk about. I think, um, you know, and your, I guess, the main thing being your rise from a graduate yep. through to managing director. Yeah, but before all of that, right? What did you want to be when you grew up? First steps. So when I was really young, I wanted to be prime minister. Um, <laughs> really? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Very so nice. I I was a member of the debating team at school. I did this public speaking thing. Um, I sound like a massive geek, but I wasn't. <laughs> but, um, but I was totally I, I, cool. I was totally cool. I played the trumpet too. But um, uh, no, I I really I wanted to be prime minister. But then, and obviously. I grew up. Yeah, and yeah. so when in serious times, it was really between law and property. My uncle was a property developer. Fair. He redeveloped the Bullring in Birmingham when he was at Hammerson. Oh, and wow. I just thought, wow, wow, that is cool. Um, and that's kind of the route I went down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your uncle redeveloped the Bullring? Yeah, so at wow. Hammerson, um, a guy called John Dodds, he, um, the Bullring was this horrid 70s scheme and yeah he was absolutely instrumental so in is that I guess where you found your love for retail initially yeah, yeah shopping centres yeah absolutely and town centre regeneration yeah so okay so you want to be Prime Minister you put a pin in that you obviously put a pin in the trumpet playing yeah as well yeah so you ended up becoming a charter surveyor yes next first job Clutton's am I right yeah, it yeah. was close. Talk us through. So I did the usual. I was an estate agent for a year and then I went travelling. Yeah, so went worse than us. Travelling. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's our long-running joke here. Yeah. Yeah. Estate agents are the worst. Yeah, yeah. It, actually, do you know what? I think it would be really great to do that now because it's interesting to go around people's houses, isn't it? But at the time, I did it and I thought... That's just a stopgap. Went travelling, Australia and South America. Amazing. Incredible. What was your favourite place? Um, I think definitely Buenos Aires. I think. Oh, wow. Yeah. Nice. Argentina. Love yeah. her. Where else did you go? You were in Cartagena, weren't you? Uh, not. I went for my 21st. I went for five oh. weeks in Colombia. And I went oh. round South America for three months when I was 18. Oh, yeah. Many moons ago. And I miss it. Um, Chile was cool as well. Yeah, so the yeah, Atacama yeah. Desert was brilliant, and then and Rio, obviously. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't like Rio, but anyway. So I was I was away at the time when all the grad intakes um, for the surveying went, and so I thought, 
I'll just apply for a job. So I got this job in the research team at Clutton's and I thought, I don't really want to do research. I'm quite sociable. Yeah. It's quite a bookish thing to do. But do you know what? I, it's a foot in the door, Definitely isn't it? Can't. <laughs> no, knowing you now, I cannot imagine you Thanks. sitting behind so researching. From, from your history of wanting to yeah. be prime minister, trumpet <laughs> <Yeah>. playing, <laughs> I feel like it kind of fit. <laughs> yeah. So then I'm, I'm working as a research assistant. I've been there for about six months, rented a flat in Putney with my uni mates. And one day I would come into the office can you come into this room? And sitting in the room is the head of HR and my boss at the time and me and the other research assistant who joined at the same time, both, you know, 21 or whatever, sat down and basically they said, we're going to make one of you redundant. So not only was it a massive, like, kick in the teeth that we were going to be made redundant, it was you two, who we're best friends now, need to fight for the job. And it was horrendous. And anyway, to cut a long story short, I'm a little headstrong, to say the least. (laughs) I lost my temper um, with the managing director at the time. I just said, you know, you have a daughter who's 21. How could you do this to us? Um, And then they tried to put me on their surveyor scheme. So they said, well, you know, you could go on the chartered, um, you could go on the surveyor scheme. So that sounds great, doesn't it? I wanted to do it. But they then tried to reduce my pay. Um, they they led me on and on and on until the last sort of day before I was supposed to leave, and they gave me this brown envelope saying we're reducing your pay, and you know, and I just went, do you know what? You can leave it. Yeah. And it. And I bet you said something a bit more. Uh, <laughs> I stormed. I stormed. You can leave, leave it. it. <laughs> and so, um, and my, I, I I called my mum that evening. She's like, you're mad, and I said, but do you know what? I have lost my faith in that company. Yeah. I'm so resentful. How could I possibly work there? And yes, I've got to pay my rent on my flat in Putney. And anyway, a month later, I was working at CBRE yeah. in an amazing team in the retail property management. I was yeah. doing my, um, I was on the graduate scheme. Happy days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you were at CBRE for a, a good few years, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. So was and you, did, you, you moved teams, didn't you, when you were there? Yeah, so I started off in the property management team, which I think any surveyor is a great place to start. Property yeah. management is a great Why foundation. So? Because it's the nuts and bolts of property. So um, it's really important. And if you just understand that ground level detail and valuation as well, it's a great rounding. Um, and then I went to retail development with this incredible um, guy called Mike Prentice, nicknamed Uncle. Um, uncle. So he was the kind of boss, right? He would walk in of a morning and your heart would lift. You know, sometimes you have those bosses, they walk in and your heart sinks and yeah, you're like, yeah, yeah, oh yeah. God, he was the opposite. Uh, it was my favourite job. I absolutely loved working with him and he was an incredible guy. Amazing. Uh, so I was so lucky to work with him. So. And you then moved... After that, went client-side? Went client-side. So that was my client-side move. And that was, I got a call one day from someone who used to work at CBRE. So it was a former colleague called Kay Jackson. And she was at Henderson Global Investors, which is now Nuveen. Yeah. And she goes, I need a um, like junior asset manager come across. And I just thought, why wouldn't I? Yeah, um, yeah. Lehman's did go bust the day I... <laughs> handed in my notice and so I was a little bit like am I going mad again but it was brilliant and again Henderson was a such a nice place to work um there was we did loads of social stuff and absolutely loved it yeah yeah yeah. and because you were you were there and then you went it was a praxis after Henderson yeah okay so then I so I was at the big fund manager 
I really like asset management and yeah. hands-on stuff. And at the fund managers, sometimes asset management is sort of the second, you play second fiddle to the fund manager. Isn't that so funny? Because when we had Vanessa on, we were talking about her move from property management to asset management and saying how sometimes people in property management feel like they're playing second fiddle to asset manager. I know yeah. here you are saying yeah. that as asset manager, you feel like you play second fiddle to fund manager. To the fund manager. So yeah. it really is true. You're all, you're always playing second fiddle somewhere. You are. And and so then I go, and actually when, so then I moved to the private prop co yeah. thing because I wanted to do asset management I wanted that to be the most important thing in that business right so yeah. that you can shine and all of that nice stuff so I moved to the prop case but it's a completely different environment you know it was a big big transition for is me is this going to Edinburgh House Estates to Praxis Praxis okay yeah, yeah. Why, why was it such a big change it's a much more aggressive environment right. um, it's you're more exposed. Um, everyone knows what you're doing. You're not in a big corporate where you can kind of hide. Yeah. So on the flip side, you get a lot of praise um, when you do something right because yeah. also you you are exposed. So if you do something great, it's seen and it's heard. Yeah. But then it is very exposing. Uh, so it was a very big and a very difficult transition I when imagine. I went to Praxis. And when I moved to Edinburgh House Estates, that was kind of a step up. So I was a senior surveyor so to speak, at um, Edinburgh House Estate at Praxis. And then when I moved to Edinburgh House Estates, that was a head of role. So yeah. that's why I moved. So you moved from Praxis into Edinburgh House as the head of property and asset management that's at the time. That's the one. That's yeah, the yeah, one. Yeah. Yeah. And that was where you spent the, probably what, it was four or five years? Yeah. Maybe even longer? Yeah, yeah. And that was working with Tony Quayle, who's yeah. managing director, who was a brilliant mentor to yeah. me. Re- recently announced that he'll be stepping down yeah yeah yeah. and the lovely Owen Conway stepping in so that's a great move for them all um but yeah and that was a again you talk about playing second fiddle or there we're obviously a private prop co but then we report to investors and joint venture partners and then more latterly to banks so it's interesting that you always have that client interface even when you're client side yeah 100% and it was it was at for benefit of you, Will. It was at Edinburgh House where um, where me and Catherine first met, where our relationship blossomed. Oh, I see. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, right, looking back through through um, the different organisations you've worked at and the career before before we get to now, is there points where you've kind of felt maybe not that you made the wrong decision, but you felt perhaps burnt out, or you felt oh mm-hmm. you felt overworked, or you felt you've just hit it a bit too hard? Yeah, definitely. And I think burnout is a real thing that everyone needs to be more aware of, especially if you're a manager. So at Henderson, actually, I had a really uh, aggressive joint venture partner and he sort of bullied me a bit and there was a lot of uh, undertone of sexism there. And I just was trying to work harder and harder to please that person. And he was constantly just telling me I was rubbish and rubbish and rubbish. And I I was traveling in Western Europe and I wasn't getting much sleep and, you know, all of those things. And, And I really just got to the point where just one day I just walked into work, just went straight to HR and I said, I can't deal with this anymore. And, um... It was a really bad moment in my life. I, I felt I'd let myself down. It was a really knock my confidence. Yeah. I, I shortly left um, Henderson and I really sort of felt that I hadn't left in the right way. Yeah. Um, so it, burnout and managing it before you get to that point is just so important. Well, for you, when it came to things like, well, obviously burning out and what have you, because I'm obviously throughout the pandemic and the rest and loads of people, I think, 
some people, there's been you know, talk of people maybe not working as hard during the pandemic, but I think for the vast majority of people, they've been working a lot harder because when you're working from home, you suddenly think, well, people are going to be checking on me, so mm-hmm. I need to be doing a lot. For you, what were the major signs that you recognised in yourself and you're like, right, getting up to that decision before speaking to HR and going, I am actually completely burnt out? Because I don't think many people realise that they're at that point where they're burning out. So was there a key defining moment or something that you felt? Um, I definitely was on a bus one day and um, I just, I burst into tears and I just, I just felt if I didn't say something, I was, it was like I was looking over the precipice of a, a cliff yeah, yeah, and, yeah. I, and I knew I was just right there. Um, it was difficult. Uh, and now I know those signs. I know when to just go. I just need to have some time out from work. Yeah. I just need to have the weekend to myself. I need to not work late. Yeah. I just need to chill yeah. out, basically. And obviously, at the moment, you're now uh, managing director. When it comes to your own staff, then, and looking out for these things, is it something you're more acutely aware of? Are you telling other managers or leaders within sort of your teams and what have you to really be looking out for these things now? Yeah, definitely. I am much aware of it. And members in my team so I can be quite intense and I can probably be quite demanding but um, uh, you're going ha 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 yes we know Um, but um, I you know you just see it in their eyes you're Mm. putting too much pressure on them back off you know they'll get there in their own time give them the support that they need yeah well thank you for your honesty in that Um, what I guess I want to go to now is the when you got the call that you got the job mm-hmm. here, uh, Sorbonne Shanley as the managing director. What what did that? I mean, that must have been an incredible feeling. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was pretty epic. Um, it was interesting because when I got the call, talking about imposter syndrome, another sort of yeah. busting, <laughs> yeah. right? I was like, I. Why are they calling me about this? role I can't do this role what's wrong with them and like the recruitment agent was like oh your CV's grey and you're going to be you you know you're going to be perfect for them and so when I got the call it was just brilliant I was absolutely absolutely chuffed I think the lesson to learn from that as well is you should always trust your recruiter Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I think was so. it you? The it actually wasn't me. No, no, shamefully, Ooh. it wasn't me. No, no. But you know what? We'll edit that out. Yeah, yeah. Shanley, <laughs> Shanley, and Sorbonne weren't weren't a client of mine at the time. I see. Do you know what I mean? Um, you're now in the role. Yeah. Is it everything you thought it would be? Is it is it harder than you thought it would be? Uh, but parts are harder. So it's a very fragmented portfolio. It's not. It's very different from what I'm used to. Um, so it's taken me longer to get up to speed on stuff. But I, it's better than I thought in the fact that the people are great. I love working. There's some really great and talented people in and the chairman, uh, Michael Shanley, who fundamentally I report into, I get on really, really well with. And I kind of wasn't expecting it because I've worked with difficult characters in the past. As we've just learned. (laughs) And also where it is. I mean, this is definitely the most idyllic kind of scenic office space I've ever been in. Yeah, yeah. It's gorgeous. Yeah, you like it? We couldn't believe it driving over here. Yeah, we were getting a cab from the... the train station we're like my god this isn't too bad this is only 20 minutes to london from here as well what yeah. a dream well this is what we need to sell to the recruitment market Listen, come out to beckinsfield yeah. anyone's <laughs> wanting beautiful. to go work for sorbonne or shanley you've heard it here first and um, just going back a bit for a second obviously going up from where you started to now as a managing director and let's let, let's call it what it is property is a very male dominated industry mm-hmm. 
yeah did you did you find it did you find struggles at point did you f- find there was any sort of um uh, favoritism or lack of support or anything like that so uh, what i'm going to say which might be controversial is that i found we love it controversy well, maybe i found it easier as a woman because i stood out more okay. and so i found it yeah, I found it easier to stand apart from the men, and I think I was a bit unusual in in a sense. Yeah, yeah. So actually, I think I found it to my benefit. Also, I have found um, that male bosses can be a lot easier on females than males, and that's not fair, but that's what I've experienced. But then on a negative side, you know, this whole thing, this whole Me Too thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, definitely in the noughties as I was growing up, you know, I've encountered that basically sleaze factor. Yeah. You know, being out at, um, you know, drinks awards and then, you know, senior male figures being so inappropriate. Um, you know, one time I, I even wondered if I had to leave my job at the time because it was so bad because I felt so uncomfortable. So I'm really, really happy that this whole Me Too thing is now out in the open. Yeah, yeah. Because in the noughties, it was just, it was everywhere in property and it was totally bang out of order. And that's terrible. Yeah, yeah. yeah. To, to the extent of you thinking, right, I might have to leave my job because of this. I mean, that's horrific. Yeah, and it's just, um, you know, why, you know, why would anyone think as a senior member of staff to you that that would be appropriate? Um, but anyway, uh, hopefully that, tide has turned uh, yeah, yeah uh, it, it's more widely spoken about because then you just wouldn't report it to hr because you would have been seen as that difficult person and then you just think you get sacked or you you go that was what it was if you got report if you reported it you were the troublemaker yeah. and not them so what would you say is your um is your biggest regret or do you have any regrets um no no regrets <laughs> no regrets what would you no. say what would you say has been your has been your the best, if you can pick one, there's probably loads, but the best sort of moment or memory in your career to date? Oh, God. Let me have a think about that. What about um, when um, you decided to take a little bit of a sideways step into being a voiceover artist? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. How do you know about that? I've done my research. Uh, yeah. I've done my research. So, I think you, uh, you describing a, a lovely succulent, succulent steak. steak. <laughs> yes. Um, I was a glass going... of wine. <laughs> I was going for the um, husky voice. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I wanted to work in radio a long time ago. Obviously, didn't do it. Um, and so when I was having a little bit of a, do I really want to do property for the rest of my life? I tried the voiceover thing. Not to great success, actually, but I've still got the <laughs> microphone. To be honest, I thought it sounded very MS. You know, oh, yeah. with the, yeah, with the to be yeah, fair. It did. That's what I thought. Well, I think that's what I was going for. You could so. come and replace Rob on, on Whoa. Here. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. Um anyway, no, but is there is there a particular highlight or a particular sort of crown jewel moment? I think there's not one moment that I can pick out, but I do love it when I've been working with my team and they do something fantastic. Yeah. And then I think you've just done really well. I've brought you through, you've like developed and now yeah. you've just absolutely nailed it. Amazing. And that is, it's better than doing it yourself because you think I've helped you get that far and yeah. now you've just nailed it. Nailed so it, I think yeah. that's it. I had another question for, for somebody like myself. So, well, what I cover in recruitment is more on the contracting interim mm-hmm. side in the public sector. So, not actually having that much knowledge in what you do, but it always, when whenever we speak to people like yourselves and it always, for me, takes me back to where you know, sort of finishing off uni and going, what the hell do I do? You know, where where do I even start? What's your best advice for those sorts of people 
particularly you've had such an incredible career and you've gone through so many challenges mm -hmm. that I think a lot of people can kind of mirror up from the last year, you know, obviously being made redundant and what have you mm -hmm. after after a year at Clutton's and, and the rest. Is there one bit of advice that you'd be able to give to people yeah. that you think coming up through in their careers? I think um, you should... So if you're looking for a job and you, and you don't know what to do, I honestly rate this list of what is it in a job that I want and what is it that I don't? But it was like, want to go to meetings or like, <laughs> want to go for drinks after work. And then I kind of compiled this kind of little list and the, the don'ts, which was sit at my desk all day and everything. And that really helped me clarify the decision between lawyer or or property. property yeah. So I would definitely do something as silly as that because it clarifies the mind. But I would just not worry about it, right? People are so young. You're going to work for years and years and years. Go and try something. If it doesn't work, go and try something else. And then one day something will fit and it will resonate. But whenever you do something, go for it. Like, yeah. you know, whatever it is, if you're working in a coffee shop, you're an estate agent, whatever, just go in and give it your absolute best. And if, it does, if it's not what you like, do something else. Fair. Great advice. Really, yeah, I like really that. I like advice. that. Shameless plug. Let's talk now all things Sorbonne Estates, yes. your new home. Yes, yeah? yeah. Give us the rundown. So we're a privately owned property company, long-term investor, which is brilliant. They really care about their properties that they own and they feel like they're the kind of custodians of those we towns. Know, really, I you? should say we. <laughs> should and say I we. get told off for not saying we actually. Um we own marinas, which is quite exciting. We also own car parks, which is How not quite exciting. How do you begin exciting. to own a marina? Do you just go and claim a piece of water and build a marina? Oh, this is mine now. How yeah, it's yeah, not like yeah. a pirate. No, <laughs> yeah. no, but that sounds like a great idea. We should do that. We're just Hostile going, takeover. We'll set up on the Thames somewhere and go, this is ours, yeah. and put a flag in. Um, no, we, we bought, it was an existing marina right. uh, called Bourne Marina. So we bought that... Um, it's brilliant. Like yeah, you yeah. go down on a sunny day and there's like boats and we've got this incredible tapas restaurant that's opened, um, her, her first restaurant. Amazing. And I would recommend anyone would go to it. Where, where is it? In Bourne End. Whereabouts Where is that? Just, just down the road. We well, don't oh, know anywhere yeah. north yeah, yeah. of yeah. yeah. no, We're just plugging yeah. the area <laughs> still. Yeah. Beckinsfield, Bourne yeah. End. It's the place to be. Yeah, yeah. And then Marlow High Street and um, Maidenhead. Which is gorgeous. I've been to Marlow High. It's absolutely gorgeous. Isn't it just? And um, what's great about Sorbonne is, so Maidenhead, we ended up in Maidenhead, um, really sort of 1970s architecture. We'll buy something. We will really make it look better. We will look after it. Yeah. You know, we'll put new shop fronts in the retail. We'll, like, redevelop the upper floors so that the facade looks better. We're bringing people to actually live in Maidenhead Town Centre. So it's a great great company to work for they really care about the properties that they own it's not just short term right bish bash bosh sell it so. yeah, yeah yeah and speaking of maidenhead i hear you're doing a big project waterside quarter yes tell yeah. us tell us more about that yeah so it's the third phase in this sort of chapel arches development and effectively we've created i think 280 homes um that are overlooking the waterways which is almost like a canal the waterways used to go under the streets, but we basically opened it all up 
Um, so you've got waterside living, um, apartments, all very high spec and, and gorgeous and lovely. I can only imagine. And then on the ground floor, you've got commercial um, spaces that we're trying to let to bars and restaurants and retail. It looks beautiful. It's the first sort of major step. Well, not the first major step, but it's a big step towards the regeneration of Maidenhead, which yeah. Crossrail's coming next year and it, Maidenhead's on the up and yeah, we're, yeah, we're yeah, really yeah. excited to be a part of it. I guess it must be really cool because unlike... I guess a lot of sort of, you know, the sort of typical prop codes, because you have the Shanley, Shanley homes behind yes. you, you have that whole piece around just the sort of the architecture, the project management, the this, you've got everything sort of in-house. Yeah. You don't have to really go out to many external consultants, no. do you? No, we don't. We don't. Uh, but we do use some oh, you do? Uh, okay, when yeah. we're really specialist stuff. But no, you're right. We've got the expertise in-house. So it's really easy to make commercial decisions as well because we've got that expertise and really brilliant people like des who heads up our project team is just an exceptional guy yeah. um you know we've got in-house hr as you know yeah. georgina it's just great everything's there and and it's really it's really good really refreshing and for anyone thinking about coming to join sorbon yeah, yeah or shanley i guess for that matter what would you say is, is, is are the sort of key the key things that they need to sort of i guess show you or possess as it were for me, enthusiasm. Tick, absolutely. yeah, tick. Um, but also, as you know, because you've recruited a lot of people for, for me, I do like a strong personality yep. and I do like someone who can independently work on their own. Wallflowers are not for me. Um, <laughs> you can say that again, yeah. And, um, but, you know, enthusiasm, it takes a long way. If you just are really excited about what you do, then that's a great start. Yeah. Rule number one. Just taking it off topic now for a minute. Obviously, our namesake, our podcast, is called Rule Number One. Yes. Yeah. And we like to keep this sort of common theme throughout where we get a bit of inspo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what is your let's let's go like sort of serious professional. Okay, serious. What would what would you say is your rule number one? So my rule number one is look, listen and learn. So oh, nice. right, okay. when I was at CBRE, you know where do you want to sit? And then they'd be like, oh, I don't want to sit right in the middle because I don't want people to see my screen. I was like, put me right in the middle. <laughs> I want to hear what everyone's talking about. And I, that's how I learned. I learned negotiating off the people I sat around. I learned the knowledge about retail or whatever yeah. it is sitting around. And even now, I just listen to everything. I observe what other people are doing and that's how I learn. And that's what I would recommend to everyone. Amazing. And then what about, is there, is there another one you have? Maybe it's probably not so serious. Yeah, I have one. Get okay. pissed. Um, um, but oh, yes, that I is my favourite room number one yeah, so I thought far. you guys would 100%. like that. 100%. Um, what, seriously, um, I, you know, property is a contact-driven yeah. thing. When you're young, get out there. I was doing a deal just recently last week with someone I work with at CBRE and I could pick up the phone and go, quick, see, can we? It's creamy here. Can we just talk? Crooksy, it's creamy. Crooksy, it's creamy. Crooksy, it's creamy. What, what is that about? So, yeah, do I even want to ask? You, yeah, you, you can't just say that and yeah. give us no background whatsoever. <laughs> no, no, that's his. That's his um, nickname. But there's no creamy is my surname. Oh, cru- <laughs> oh creamy. Okay, fine. Yeah, 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 yeah fair. Yeah. Okay, fine. Yeah. So um, you know, get out there, socialize, make friends with your business colleagues, because then you'll do business with them at some point yeah, and agreed. it's and you just and the more people you know the better and um, one thing actually that i thought it would be worth understanding your opinion on is a lot of people especially the younger people coming up through mm-hmm. the industry this i this sort of um obsession to want to move client side mm-hmm. right 
what would you say are the fundamental differences, I guess, between mm-hmm. working for the consultant and working directly for, for the client? And is it all it's made out to be? So the fundamental difference is when you move client side, you don't have to worry too much about fees. So earning fees. So you're not going to have generally targets and fees. So that's great, right? So for some people, that's great. Some people, it's not. Client side, arguably, you should make more decisions and it should be more strategic. But I think the reality is that there's always someone above you. So you're always reporting to someone like we discussed earlier. Um, Do I think it's all it's cracked up to be? I love it. But then a lot of my friends have stayed at CBRE and they've actually been there for what, 20 years now. Um, And they have forged amazing careers. There's a lot of diversity because you do a lot more different things every day. Um, And so I would say that it's not all it's cracked up to be. You can have a great career on both paths. Right. Well, listen, I think that is... um that's yeah. pretty much it. Yeah, I think, I mean, that was an incredible conversation. Thank you so much for yeah. being for being so honest. Yeah, yeah, cool. yeah. Um, And I think, you know, you are definitely, you know, you, I, I've really enjoyed working with you over the last few years. You mm-hmm. definitely demand a high level of work. But you know what, for someone like me and for other people, that makes you better. You know what I mean? And I think you. you're an inspiration to so many young women and young men out there. Um, and congrats on the new position. Thank you. And I yeah. hope it is everything. And go and absolutely knock it out of the park. Thank you. Yeah, and we'll see you soon. Yeah, see you soon. Thank you. Thank you. What an incredible episode that was. Catherine was, I think, genuinely quite inspiring listening to that that whole story. Honestly, I just loved how how she was just incredibly honest about her career and the pitfalls, I guess. and Surviving the noughties, by the sounds of it. (laughs) I mean, the noughties sound like an awful time to be working. Yeah, 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 obviously. Catherine, as we spoke about, is now the new managing director for Sorbonne Estates. So if, of course, you would like to know anything further about Sorbonne Estates, about Catherine herself, or indeed about all the incredible work they are doing in and around the Maidenhead and Marlow area, let us know. You'll find her details on our website. Uh, see in store for details. Terms and conditions apply. <laughs> and yeah, no, honestly, it was, it was unbelievable. So thank you so much to Catherine. Will, thank you so much for being yet again a below average co-host. And thanks to you, Rob, for really bringing down the tone, as always, in this podcast. And you'll hear us again soon for another episode of Rule Number One. Goodbye. Rule.